This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Tuesday, January 25th. This is episode 366. My name is Dan Ellis, and I'm joined by one co-host this evening, Mr. Ryan Duffy. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Um, unfortunately, Taylor did not see the signs of evil in his house from his and they attacked. <laughs> he could not see them because he has a corneal abrasion <laughs> that, that was causing some issues. Actually, we were scheduled to record yesterday. And I, in my new position, uh, am just fucking swamped with shit. And I filled out my timesheet today, and it's basically four hours of overtime every day, just across the board. Yeah. Uh, so I have a new part-time job <laughs> on top of yeah. my regular job. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm just swimming in seas of, of work at work. Lots and lots of tasks that I needed to accomplish yesterday uh, that had to, had to, had to be done yesterday in order to backfill some positions from moving everybody around for the big transition that we're making at work. And like, if I hadn't gotten them done yesterday, they would have been delayed by two weeks. So I had to push off the recording of the episode. Taylor was going to record with us. That was the initial plan, but then uh, he developed, developed a corneal abrasion Tyler or not Tyler, Taylor and I both, <laughs> both share, uh, the same problem in that our eyes get very dry. I, I have blepharitis. So, uh, I, my, my right eye, I abraded my cornea more than a year ago. Fuck. I think it's close to two years ago now. Oh, and it's still, it was, a, it was a while ago. I remember when you had to get that like goop to put in your eyes. Oh yeah. It's still, fun. it's still all fucked up. Like I have to put shit in my eye every night. If I don't, then I wake up and my eyelid is stuck to my eye. And then if I try to move my eye, it tears my cornea again. So <sighs> it's still, and it just, it, it, it always feels rough. Like anytime I blink, anytime I move my eye around, like I can feel my eyeball moving on the underside of my eyelid all the time now, just because there's like that spot that has never fully healed yeah. or, or healed maybe with scar tissue. I don't know, but it just like, I can feel my eyeball on the back of my eyelid all the time. And it sucks. Um, but yeah, Taylor got a corneal abrasion and was feeling like shit. And it just like, it, it hurts when it, when it happens, it's, it's one of those pains that is like all encompassing. Like it's all you can think about. Oh. There is just this white, hot, intense pain in your eye that sucks. And I mean, for you two, you spend most of your days looking at computer screens. Uh-huh. So that's got to suck even yeah, I think it probably exacerbates the problem. Um, like I, I wear glasses with tinted lenses on them mm -hmm. to help with that a little bit to remove some of the blue light. And I think that probably helps. Oh. But yeah, by the end of the day, my eyeballs just feel sticky. <laughs> I was I was wearing my fancy sunglasses most of the day today. Uh, Those? You probably... Uh, they're my, my ones I wear for using the, uh, the laser burner. Uh -huh. So they they're like actually, they, they're green. So they cut out the light from the laser. They look so, like blue blockers. And I was thinking, yeah, I was like, I'm like, is this what it looks like for Dan all the time? Is this is what being colorblind looks like. Like I can't see any like red tones or green tones at all. Like everything's kind of mute. All of the colors are very muted. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if this is what it's like to be colorblind. Probably. It's, well, it's, it's probably similar. Like, I just, like, to me, I see colors, but apparently I don't see as many colors as everybody else. So, well, even like you, so since that cuts out all the green colors, like if I'm watching a video on the computer while I'm doing the laser burn mm -hmm. and something's green, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a grayish green. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, then I pop the glass. I'm like, oh, so much more vibrant. 
<laughs> I was kind of wondering, I'm like, is that what it's like for someone who's colorblind to put on in chroma glasses to be like, holy shit, look at these colors. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So I got the Enchroma glasses a while ago and I, since I have to wear now prescription glasses, I haven't been using the Enchroma glasses nearly as often. And because I'm not out in the world very often these days because of the pandemic, I don't use my Enchroma sunglasses that often either. But I know that when I, when I was wearing the Enchroma sunglasses, I had a few friends try them out who are not colorblind and they're just like, holy shit. It's like looking at the world in HDR with all of the contrast and colors turned way up. Like, yeah, it's, it was kind of wild. I guess the way that they work is it just uh, creates a filter to limit and to limit the light spectrum for colors that are adjacent. So it's, so it makes the colors pop a little bit more and allows people who are colorblind to more easily discern between colors of the same shade. So, so it it feels like you can see more colors, but you can't really like, it'll be because you know, my, like my eyes are my eyes. I, they, they don't magically. Your receptors in your cornea can't see that no matter what. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's like having an old television that has an antenna on it. Right. Like you can fine tune the antenna. You can get a bigger antenna. So things come in a little more clearly, but you'll never get all of the, all of the channels that you can get with cable. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of deal. Um, yeah, for people who watch way too much TV growing up, I guess, like I did, apparently, when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I grew up with cable. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was one of those kids. I did not. Dude, like, my my youth was spent in front of, like, a 10-inch black and white television in my... We were, we were pretty cool that my sister and I each had our own little black and white television in our room, little 10 inch thing with knobs for channel control. And then to fine tune the channels and volume and on and off and everything. And we would get what you'd get two, four, five, 13, sometimes three, like we had five or six. Oh, and seven and 11, which were the, you know, like PBS and okay. BYU channel or whatever oh, it was. No. So so we had we had like six or seven channels. It was pretty amazing. We were cool. You couldn't record anything. Everything was you had to watch it right then. Yeah. So and if if a commercial came on, everybody got up and ran to the bathroom, got a snack, get a drink, whatever, try to get back before the show started again. No talking during the show because then you're gonna fuck it up for everybody. You couldn't rewind or pause. Y'all are spoiled these days, man. Back in my day. We couldn't hit pause on the TV. <laughs> well, what is new with you, Mr. Duffy? Uh, just like you work. I think I've worked more overtime this month than I have all last year already. Oh, really? Wow. Well, I've, I've done three overtimes this month so yeah. far. Is that just because you've still got a bunch of people out? Yeah. Yeah. Is and that- a lot of them are falling on the weekend when I go home. Fun. Like, like this last weekend I was at work for, so like right now I just did four days. Uh-huh. I'm home for three and then I'm back for five. Mm. It would have been seven, excepting my last two days. I noticed there was spots to take leave. So I said, I'm taking leave. I don't want to be here for seven days. Five is <laughs> enough. Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks, man. Is, are you, is it still as bad? Is it getting any better? Like as far uh, as people so out, we, the, the problem is, is so we had that one just quick outbreak of seven guys all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we haven't gone a shift without at least someone coming in popping positive. Oh, wow. So like this, this last weekend we were there, I was working overtime on Saturday. One of the guys that was coming to work on Saturday, pop positive. So since everyone else on our crew, but one guy was working overtime already, he got directed. Oh yeah. Like we go home at eight at seven fifty nine. to like, Hey, nope, you're staying. Oh man. Really? With that short a notice, like you, we're not letting you leave. That's what happens. And they can direct you all the way up till 8am all the way up until like the minute you're leaving. Yep. And that guy came in, took his test. And then when they found out he popped positive on his test, Hey, who's, who's available to stay today? Wow. Oh, only one guy is going home today. Okay. He can stay. 
So the guy so nobody who, goes home. So the guy who tested positive, did he stay or did they tell him no, to go no, home? No, no, he goes home. Okay. We're test to stay right now. Oh, okay. So we have to do a test first day in. Yeah. In order to stay at work. And so it's not that, you know, somebody on our crew tested positive. So now we all have to stay and isolate together. It's if, if you test positive, get the You're fuck out of home. here. Yeah. But the problem is, is as long as people are testing positive coming in, mm-hmm. we're in isolation while at work. Oh, right. Yeah. So we're still in isolation from each other unless we're going on a call. Man, that's got to suck. That's it does. You're living in solitary confinement basically while yes. you're out there. Yes. Damn. It sucks. Do you guys just like yell shit at each other through closed doors in the sometimes. same building or <laughs> sometimes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking bored. What are you guys doing? I mean, we're allowed to eat. We're not, we're not allowed to eat together, mm-hmm. but if I happen to be eating and someone else happens to come in to cook their dinner, that's okay. Oh, but like yeah. our computer room, yeah. like only one person's allowed in there at a time Yeah, to be on that computer one person at a time. So do you, do you guys take your own shit, like your own computers and stuff out there? And well, we have, like I have my own laptop, but I can't use my laptop to do government work. Right. So if I have to go on and do any like truck reports or do stuff with the vehicles or emails or like this last week, I got audited by the uh, national EMT registry when I went to go recertify. So I was sitting there for like five hours going through two years worth of, of certs of classes I had taken to copy all of them to send to the national EMT board so I can be audited for all my classes or like your FISMA can, training, any of that kind of bullshit. No, you all have we, to do we're that. not even allowed to do training right now. Oh, wow. Wow. Like training is canceled because we can't get together. Damn. Yeah. How many computers have you got in your computer room? Uh, three. Oh, okay. I was going to say like, I, I can't, it didn't seem like you would have, probably very many. So that fits. I mean, you guys aren't going to be spending all day on the computer or anything. No, so. but usually like in the morning when we're all doing our truck reports or doing our sign offs or just filling out the normal daily logs and stuff that we got to fill out. Mm-hmm. We can only do it one at a time. Mm. Yeah, that would be pretty sucky, man. Yeah. I, I don't blame you for taking a day off and because uh, seven days of isolation. Uh huh. I mean, I'm going to go crazy with, I, I went semi crazy with four days of isolation. I got to do five days of isolation this next week. It's going to suck, man. I'm sorry. That's the weird tomorrow. thing is yeah. Yeah. I still wake up every morning and put my uniform on and just sit in my room. I'm like, why am I even putting a fucking uniform on? I can't even leave my room. Like I'll put my uniform on, go out to the coffee maker, make a pot of coffee, fill up my coffee cup and walk back to my room. <laughs> Oh man, that sucks. Well, because yeah. you got to be ready to go, right? So you have, that's why you're wearing your uniform. Uh, that, and because it's like, if I come out or if I get called to like chief's office for a second, like I'm supposed to be in uniform. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be in my fucking downtime gear. Yeah. So I guess maybe it also gives me a sense of normalcy where I wake up in the morning and kind of do my morning routine of getting ready for the day at work. And yeah. Well, and, go back to my room. And if this is too personal, don't feel free to just tell me to fuck off or whatever. But like, do you, do you guys, or or you in particular, do you wear like pajamas or like, I, like no. I sleep in just my skivvies, right? Like I just sleep in my underwear. So I usually just sleep in my shorts. Yeah. Like we have actual downtime, like uniforms. Yeah. So it's like a pair of like gym shorts. Mm. And I usually sleep in just my gym shorts. So that way, if I get up to go on a call, I just got to throw on my shirt and my socks. Mm-hmm go to the truck and I usually drive the truck to the scene, get out and put my bunker pants on. Mm-hmm. Cause if it's after hours, we're not supposed to be in like sweatpants going to a call. Mm-hmm. So if it's a, a medical call, we have to put our bunker pants on. What are if bunker it's normal, pants? If it's in, the normal pants a firefighter wears, they're called, it's called bunker gear. Okay. Like the jacket and pants. So mm-hmm. if we're going to like a medical call at two in the morning, usually we're just in our fire pants because we're not wearing a uniform underneath it. Oh, okay. But as far as like being able to wear like a pair of pajama bottoms, that's not allowed. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. So yeah. Yeah. I can't, I like, I can't sleep in anything other than just underwear because it, I feel like I get tangled up in the sheets and get bound and. Yeah. I don't like wearing a shirt yeah. or socks. So I just wear them those shirts. Cause it's one less thing to have to put on. Mm-hmm. 
And I have been on calls before without socks. <laughs> so do you wear socks to bed then? Or you just, no, you just, I put them on now. Some guys will actually leave an extra pair of socks with their bunker gear. Uh huh. So if we get a call at night, they'll just run to the truck barefoot, slip their socks on, then jump in their pants. <laughs> These are all the little, the little things that go on in different people's careers that I, I find fascinating. Oh, yeah. that like nobody really ever talks about, right? You never well, like, no matter what time of day it is, uh-huh. if it's two in the morning, from the time we hear that alarm, those, those sirens, the tones go off, tell us where to go and what's going on. Mm-hmm. We have two minutes to be out of the station. Oh, wow. That's awful quick. Yeah. So you, so if you're dead ass asleep, you've got two minutes from the time that so goes off to be out of the, the station. Get the fuck up and get out. Wow. And if you've yeah. got to go to the bathroom or anything, no, nope. no, nope, not going to happen. You're, you're, you can hold it or piss your pants. <laughs> Damn. Uh, which sometimes like I'll have the initial like, wake up. Okay, go, 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 go. Uh, I remember like a, like a month ago, we got a call. So I think it was like four in the morning and uh, it was a diabetic emergency which are fucking easy. A diabetic is easy. And we show up there and I'm the first one in. So I made contact with the patient, but I'm like, uh, I'm trying to wake up still. Fuck. Um, (laughs) let's go through this shit. Uh, fuck. What's your name? You're a human being and you're having a problem. Fuck. What's going on here? All right. Somebody (laughs) slapped me. I have to, I have to, I have to figure out what I need to do right now because I'm still like half asleep and I drove the truck here half asleep. Like I got us to the house. <laughs> it was all very exciting. The lights were going, the sirens running. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm the last one through the door. And for some reason I was the first one through the door. And I don't know how the fuck that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun times. Oh yeah. Well, we have, we have some, we don't, we don't have a, an organized plan for this evening's podcast. We like, we haven't done a, a fun Hey, let's talk about people who are doing shitty things, shitty things because of their religious beliefs. But also, we're probably going to talk about one good thing. Oh, yes, for sure. And we'll yes. do that on the other side of this little break. Yes, we will. Hi, this is James Huber, author of Kissing Hex Ass, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Hey, what's your problem? I'm a Catholic whore currently enjoying Congress out of wedlock with my black Jewish boyfriend who works in a military abortion clinic. So hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon, madam. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, It's been, I think, like an hour since we recorded the first, the opening segment. We have this habit uh-huh. uh, of, you know, just bullshit. We get Usually, t- so we can explain this. Usually we get this kind of talk out when we have pizza, when I'd be able to actually go to your house. <laughs> now it just uh-huh. happens between segments. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we used to get together and have pizza and beers before we would record. And that would be like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours yeah. before we'd come down and start recording to just kind of sit around and bullshit. And... Yeah, now we don't get that luxury these days because of the pandemic. And honestly, it's easier to do it this way. You don't have to drive all the way down here and spend an extra hour and a half on the road just to do this. It's almost two hours. Yeah, yeah. It's usually an hour there, an hour back almost. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so in the intervening time, uh, the conversation that we had, I will probably release a goodly sized portion of that. For our Patreon patrons, we were talking about um, health issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, basically, we talked about uh, my... Like, if you want to know about piss and blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want to know about pissing blood and dislocated ankles, then yeah. this Patreon segment will be for you, dear <laughs> listener. because that's pretty much what we talked about uh talked about it's our behind the scenes chatter (laughs) and the segment i'm guessing i'll I'll just include it as like a clip from the cutting room floor i I don't know if everybody knows i don't even know if you know ryan the the voice of the between segments when i do a clip from the cutting room floor that's me i just did some did Uh. some fancy editing to make it sound a little bit different um but well, I'll yeah. be honest. I don't listen to our own podcast because I hate listening to my voice. 
<laughs> yeah, it's me saying something like, uh, hey, here's here's a clip from the cutting room floor. <laughs> and then I, I think I sped it up and changed the tone a little bit. So sounds like an old prospector. <laughs> See, I usually just ask Sarah, how do the episode sound? <laughs> not not too bad. Not too bad. I sound stupid. We're doing all right. Um so yeah, I'll release that as a as a Patreon patron exclusive uh just like as a clip from the cutting room floor. I'm guessing it'll be between like 20 and 30 minutes depending on how much of the information I put out there, but like we talked for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I wanted to just <laughs> I wanted to spend this segment talking more about uh, the Catholic Church because we yeah. we we shot on the Mormon Church last week, so I figure it's the uh, Catholic Church's turn in the barrel this week. Well, I mean, this is what happens when you take roll call. <laughs> Who's here? The Jehovah's Witnesses all sit down. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the the Catholic Church has come under fire again for the umpteenth time over child sexual abuse allegations, this time leveled against the former pontiff, the immediate uh, predecessor of the current Pope. We're talking, of course, about Pope Benny. You mean the one who retired because he just wanted to go on vacation? He was the German one. The German one who was replaced by the Italian one. He was probably part of Nazi youth. <laughs> he was. He, he actually Wasn't was. He? Like, yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Didn't yeah. he say? Yeah, he I, was. I, th- I I thought he was, but I didn't want to say he was. That's why I think I said. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a Hitler youth thing. But I think you know back at back then at the time it was it was probably he was voluntold. Like it wasn't, it wasn't well, it optional. It was also very fashionable of Christians to side with Hitler at that time in Germany. Uh huh. Yeah. They, it was all the rage at the time. So when people say Hitler was an atheist, I'm like, ah, you forget about the whole Christian thing and the spirituality part of his endeavors. Like he wasn't an atheist. Yeah. The Gott mit uns God's with us yeah. on all emblazoned yeah. on all of their shit. Yeah. yeah like it yeah, was, he, he, it was very much a thing that Christianity was very much involved the Catholic church in particular with, with Hitler's escapades. Yeah. Covering up for Pol them. Pot also wasn't an atheist, but we can get into that at another time. Yeah. Well, and as if their atheism was the thing that motivated that them to do them, something. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's, it's not, that's not the case. We should just do a whole episode on those guys. Oh yeah. They weren't atheist. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be a fun discussion for sure. Especially because so many ill-informed or uninformed, uh, ding-dongs, who are religious? You said it as an argument. Yeah, point point to them and say, "Well, Hitler was an atheist, or Mao like, Mao was an atheist, or Pol Pot was an atheist." No, they uh, they weren't. Yeah, they were also men. So does that mean that all men? And this, of course, you know, my personal opinion is that most men are are shit, but <laughs> assholes. But the the type of people who make these arguments are also the same kind of people who would who would be the hashtag not all men kind of people, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's it's they're they're drawing these conclusions without any sort of good information, valid information, relevant information, information, information. Period. Right. Uh, this. So this story comes to us from the New York Times. It was released yesterday, January twenty fourth. Yes. Uh, the headline says Benedict admits being admits being at meeting about priest accused of abuse. A statement by the former Pope contradicted a previous statement to a law firm investigating allegations of child sex abuse by priests when he was an archbishop. When he, hmm. before he was Pope Benny, he was uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah. It says Rome, Pope Emeritus, meaning former Pope, much like Jordan Peterson is now Professor Emeritus because he <laughs> is no longer a professor. 
I wonder why. Because <laughs> he's a fucking clown. Holy shit. Yeah. James Fell has been owning him all over social media, which has been glorious oh. because honestly, fuck Jordan Peterson and all of the people who think Jordan Peterson is this bastion of um, civility intellect. and intellectual discourse. Fuck you. You're just so fucking gross and wrong. It's it's, yeah, as, as soon as Jordan Peterson's argument was women need to stay in the kitchen, I was like, you're fucking done. <laughs> They're all about chaos. That's that's what's wrong with women. Uh, but, so the story says, Rome, Pope Emeritus Benedict the 16th said on Monday that he had been at a meeting at which the case of a priest accused of pedophilia had been discussed, contradicting a previous statement he made to a German law firm investigating accusations of clerical sexual abuse. On Monday, Benedict's personal secretary, Archbishop Jörg Ganswein, issued a statement. Oh. You like that? That was pretty good. Yeah. Issued I, I would have fucked it up. I would have said Ganswein. <laughs> issued a statement saying the former pontiff's previous assertion about not attending the meeting, the meeting to the law firm conducting the investigation, Westfall Spielkervassel. Oh, fuck, you're on a fire. Was objectively false. This is the personal secretary saying that what the the thing that the previous pope said was objectively false. He just said the pope lied. Okay? Yes. Yeah, that's what happened. Pretty much. Uh, last week, the law firm issued a report that found, among other things, that Benedict had mishandled four cases in which for, in which priests were accused of sexual abuse. Let's not say mishandled. Let's say did nothing. Right. Allegations that threatened to tarnish the legacy of the former pontiff. Because he's got such a great legacy that he's left behind. I mean, this is the legacy that we know him for. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you can't tarnish it if we already know you did it. This is just proof. Oh, yeah. That well, what we've, everyone's been saying is true. Well, and everybody likes to point to JP, or John Paul II, John Paul II as this, this, you know, the last wonderful Pope we had before the current Pope Fluffy. But JP two, John Paul two, know knew about all of the yeah. sexual abuse allegations and did fuck all about it. Like nothing. He just moved people around. Oh, we'll yeah. we'll shuffle this guy over here. He's gonna now be this guy, and then we're gonna move this guy over here where he can control and be in charge of all of these other new children that he can abuse, and that'll be fine. And this is no problem. We're just gonna cover it all up, and everybody will be happy. Okay. I mean, yes. Looking at the dates from just this case, these cases they're talking about specifically, the last four popes mm -hmm. knew about this shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and did nothing about nothing. it other than cover it up. They they weren't interested in protecting the children. They were interested in protecting the church, which is so bad. That's just so bad and wrong, guys. It's just bad. Uh, I mean, when they say tarnish the legacy, is it more tarnishing the legacy to know that he knew about this and didn't do anything? Or would it have been better for his legacy to know about it and actually do something? Oh, yeah. Right? So like, this information isn't tarnishing his legacy. He's tarnishing it from the fact he did nothing. Yeah, well, and it's not as if the Pope later decided, you know, he he had a heart-to-heart -heart with himself or, or with somebody else and decided, oh, I need to come clean about all of this and let everybody know about the abuse that's going on in the church. No, they never ever have come out no. publicly and said this is what's going on these are the steps we're taking to address it it is only after the fact of people coming out and uh, making accusations or suing the church for abuse that we later find out about all of this through investigations the church has never fucking come clean about this as an upfront thing that they've done it's always been oh there's a raft of allegations now and all of these lawsuits flooding us and oh yes this information is going to come out so here's what we've done in the meantime to try to solve the problem and they never fucking have actually done anything yeah. to solve the problem other than trying to bury it deeper. That's their solution why, to everything. Which is why they should not be allowed to handle this shit internally. Right. Yeah. This, yeah, this, all of them, I don't, oh my God, I don't understand why there are not previous popes and cardinals and priests sitting in fucking prison rotting right now. Well, cause they're all dead. Some of them are dead. Some of them. Well, only one's still alive. Yeah. Well, some. Well, I think one of them at least was murdered by someone that they had abused, uh, a former Whoa. priest or cardinal. Yeah. Oh, priests and cardinals. I was thinking yeah. pope. I was thinking pope in my head. Oh yeah, no, no. The guy at the top. Yeah. The guy at the top almost always ex ex escapes Dies. any kind of consequences for the shitty things or, that they've done. 
Were you thinking about the priest that had the guy that, that killed him with a cross up the ass? That was one of the stories that came to mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're abused that badly and you take it out in that way, it's like, that's some real frustration. Yeah. You've got, you got some problems and understandably so because so. this guy really messed you up. Yeah. Uh, the story continues and says that last week, the law firm issued a report that found, among other things, oh, I already read that part, sorry. Uh, the firm was investigating how allegations of clerical sexual abuse had been handled in the German Archdiocese of Munich, uh, excuse me, of Munich. Uh, Munich. And I got that one. Fre- and Freiburg between 1945 and 2019. Benedict, then known as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, was Archbishop of the Diocese and in charge of its clerics between 1977 and 1982. That's a good stretch. So, it's five years, you know, nothing to sneeze at. At a news conference presenting the findings of the report Thursday, a representative of, of the law firm said Benedict had denied being at the meeting, at which the case of a priest who had been sent to Munich from the Diocese of Essen to receive treatment had been discussed even though minutes of the meeting showed he had been present. So initially he said, no, I wasn't there. I don't, what are you, what are you talking about? Meeting? I don't meet it. I don't know what meeting you're talking about. That's why you don't take notes when you're doing criminal shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Upon reading the findings of the report, however, the retired Pope said he had been present at the meeting in question, quote, contrary to what has been stated, or I'm sorry, quote, contrary to what was stated. Archbishop Ganswein said in his statement, he added that benefit that Benedict's previous assertion was not made in bad faith, but was the result of a mistake in the editing process of an 82 page statement provided to the lawyers. So every time I say I was there, you are right. I uh, wasn't there. <laughs> we will call it a, uh, a mistake. A mistake. Yes. <laughs> In Monday's statement, Benedict, 94, he's 94 years old. Yeah. Why uh, hasn't he died by now? No, Palpatine will not die. <laughs> uh, so Benedict apologized for the error, but maintained that while he had been present at that meeting, the pastoral assignment of the priest in question was not decided at this meeting. So okay, so you knew the information, but you just didn't make a decision. So well, and it's but it's, you knew what he did. So he just says the pastoral assignment of the priest in question was not decided at the meeting. It's he doesn't say that like we didn't talk about him diddling kids. He yeah. just says oh. So he basically the part that he omits here is oh yeah we talked about him diddling kids, but you know. We just hadn't decided what we were going to do with him at this meeting. Like yeah. the, the meeting got out of control because we were talking about all of the kids that he had abused. We didn't yeah. decide where he was going to go after that to abuse new kids. Yeah. More kids. We hadn't decided on how many miles he had to go away from there. Yeah. In the original statement responding to questions by the lawyers conducting the investigation, Benedict had said he did not know that the priest in question had been accused of sex abuse against minors. Bullshit. And that the documents seeking his transfer to Munich only mentioned health-related issues that required psychotherapy. Um, my penis are not working right now. (laughs) The priest was described as, quote, very gifted, end quote, and could have been assigned to different tasks, Benedict said. So, very gifted. Does that mean they made him lift up his robe to see his member? Oh, dude, this guy is so gifted. If you thought... You knew what a great child rapist was. You've not seen anything until you've seen this guy. No. This guy is phenomenal at raping like, children. Literally, I was in the room with him and I got raped and didn't even know it. It was amazing. It sends chills down my spine thinking of how great at raping children this guy was. Amazing. Yeah. I thought I had good numbers. Oh my God. The transfer request from Essen mentioned that the priest had been immediately taken out of pastoral care because of a report coming from the parish community, but did not provide further details or mention suspicions of sexual abuse. Benedict added that he had no memory of being informed about what role the new priest was going to take. Hmm. So the Pope who is in charge of the church 
is saying now that the thing he said before about not being in a meeting about this rapist priest was inaccurate, but it was all just a big misunderstanding and a mistake. Yeah. We didn't know he raped. And he is also now saying that, oh, I didn't know that he had been accused of rape. Maybe later we'll find out that even this statement is, oh, it was, no, it was just a mistake. I, you know, my, I misunderstood what you were asking. Yeah. Me. I, d- I thought you were asking me if he liked grapes, not <laughs> that he was great at rape. It was, you know, there was the words were muddled. I wasn't I sure mean, what you're talking about. I can see at 94, maybe his memory going great at rapes uh, and grapes but it's, when he was uh you can see serving as pope in his 70s uh-huh or when he was in his position in his what 40s and 50s mm-hmm. um i'm pretty sure he knew what the fuck was going on yeah uh, the priest was in fact allowed to return to pastoral work in a few weeks after his arrival in munich And in 1986, he was convicted of sexually abusing minors in the Diocese of Essen and given an 18-month suspended sentence with five years of probation. Not turned over to people? Like (laughs) actually suffering criminal punishment? Yeah. When news of the case made headlines in 2010, the archdiocese said the decision to let their priest resume, reassume, I'm sorry, to let the priest reassume his duties had been made by Cardinal Ratzinger's deputy in Munich. Oh, but did Ratzinger have no part in telling his deputy to just let him go? It's fine. This man, he may have some problems, but you know, these are things that will clear up immediately if we just move him somewhere else, of course. The children here in this diocese are just too attractive. That's what the problem yeah. is. We give, we give him lollipop and move him. They're such beautiful children, he could not help himself. Let's move him somewhere else, everything will be fine. I see Hitler in all of them. Archbishop Ganswein said Benedict had been reading the report, which runs to some 1,900 pages since receiving it on Thursday, but that it would, quote, take time to read it completely because of Benedict's age and health. He said Benedict would comment on the report once he had finished reading it. Um, does he need to read the report? He was fucking there. Right. Yeah. Why? mm -hmm. Well, he wants to see what other things he may have to cover for. (laughs) Yeah. Like what other lies? Yeah. What other lies don't they know? He may have told in the intervening time that he'll have to provide an excuse for. He's got to collect his excuses and try to cover whatever lies are being uncovered within these 1900 pages of documents. If there's something in that report that they don't know about, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Uh, The story concludes with the paragraph that says Archbishop Ganswein said the contents of the report had filled Benedict with shame and pain for the suffering caused to victims and expressed closeness to his home diocese, quote, in particular to the victims who had to experience abuse and indifference. It makes me feel shame and pain for that. I feel bad. It's so sad. Well, if only there was the something I could have done about it. Mm, it gives me a sad. Like, report him to the authorities. Yeah. Actually removed him from the fucking diocese and not allowed him around children anymore. Yeah. Taking him completely out of that position. I just feel so bad. I just wish there was something I could have done at the time, but I didn't. And that gives me sadness. I'm so sad. I'm so sad about all the children that were raped. Mm, because I did nothing. Fuck fucking, you, Pope. Mm. Fuck the Pope. Fuck the we fucking need, pope. That, that needs to be the song for this this one. Yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim mentions, mentions fuck fu- the pope. <laughs> yeah, fuck the fucking the fuck the fucking pope. Yeah, fuck the well, fucking pope. Well, fuck we'll the fucking that. pope. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. That will be it. Uh, we have more to discuss on the other side of this break when we come back to do our closing segment. Oh. This is Lucian Greaves with the Satanic Temple, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. And so, what concerns me now is. Even if you're as brilliant as Newton, you reach a point where you start basking in the majesty of God, and then your discovery stops. It just stops. You're kind of no good anymore for advancing that frontier, waiting for somebody else to come behind you who doesn't have God on the brain, and who says, that's a really cool problem, I want to solve it. They come in and solve it. But look at the time delay. This was a hundred year time delay. 
And the math that's in perturbation theory is like crumbs for Newton. He could have come up with that. The guy invented calculus just on a dare, practically. When someone asked him, what, what, you know, you know, Ike, how come planets orbit in ellipses and not some other shape? And he couldn't answer that. He goes home for two months, comes back, out comes integral differential calculus because he needed that to answer that, to answer that question. And so, so this, is, this is the kind of mind we were dealing with with Newton. He could have gone there, but he didn't. He didn't. His religiosity stopped him. And so we're left with the, real, the, the realization, of course, that intelligent design, while real in the history of science, while real in the presence of sort of philosophical drivers, is nonetheless a philosophy of ignorance. And so, regardless of what our political agenda is, all you have to say is, science is a philosophy of discovery, intelligent design is a philosophy of ignorance. That's all. I don't need to see whether, I don't need, if, have you discovered anything lately? If not, get out of the science classroom. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Welcome back, everybody. So, we've decided uh, to shift gears a little bit because we had so much fun bashing on the Catholic Church. Which really, I, I say bashing, but, you know, just reporting facts. We knew this already. <laughs> reporting facts about the Catholic Church, some would view as bashing when I don't really. It's just, like I said, reporting facts about it. Well, you know who, you know who the, the church bashed on a lot? Hmm. A guy named Galileo. <gasps> did they? Yeah, they kind of killed him. Oh, no. Why did they do uh, that? Well, Galileo had all these wonderful theories about the the stars and the sun and the fact that we weren't the center of the galaxy and that we actually revolved around the sun and that heresy. Our sun was also part of another larger body in the cosmos and we weren't the center of the universe and there's more out there. These are heretical beliefs, sir. We must punish you. So we killed him. We didn't kill him. The fucking Catholic Church killed him. <laughs> and you know what? He was right. Galileo was a genius. He was, he was a very smart man for his times and did a lot of great work. The work continues to this day. His, his legacy lives on through fantastic fucking developments, such as the James Webb Telescope that we wanted to talk about oh, for this segment. Yes. Before, before the prior segment... In between, or was it before we even started recording at all? Before we even started recording, because I was like, because I wanted to show you my spaceman. I was oh, making, all right. I'm, like, I'm, I love, like, my whole, my sleeve is outer space. The sleeve on, the sleeve tattoo on your left arm. On your arm is outer yeah. space. It's got yeah. a space, you know, an astronaut floating in outer space with an earth and like, a, just like the, uh, like the artistic photos you see of constellations and all the stars and just the way they look as like a primordial soup of shit coming together. And also the other side is a double helix constellation uh-huh. being the DNA saying that we're all made out of space stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, yeah. Ryan, Ryan has many a tattoo. And full sleeve. Do you have full sleeves on both arms? Uh, well, the other one's just kind of like a piecemeal, but it's pretty much wrist to shoulders yeah. tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one on your left arm is the space guy in the full, yeah. like Apollo series space suit. Suit. Yeah. Out, out in space. It's a very cool yeah. tattoo. Um, but yeah, Ryan printed this awesome spaceman from his from his 3d printer that is very cool that he was showing earlier and then we started talking about fucking hours. 40 hours of printing but then we started talking about the james webb telescope and i had told ryan that yeah it's just fucking amazing the news this week is that it, it finally arrived at its final destination uh in orbit at at L2, the Lagrange point two, one million miles from Earth. A million miles away, and we are controlling this thing. It's just, it's the coolest fucking thing, man. Like, I remember being a little kid and watching... Like Voyager? Like, like in elementary school, watching uh, launches of the, the space shuttle. 
Like we'd yeah. all gather in, in the center of the room. We, you know, we had a, we had a media room and they'd wheel out a television and we would watch live on television, the launching of the space shuttle when it would happen. I watched live on television in grade school when the challenger blew up. That That's was, was going to say that was shown because it had a teacher on it. And it and was showing it in all the schools. And I think that was the last live, <laughs> the last yeah. live launch of a space shuttle we ever watched at school. Uh, and of course we watched it in large part or in no small part because uh, Krista McAuliffe was a teacher who was on the space yeah. shuttle and was launching into space. All of our teachers were very excited and we're all sitting down on the ground, you know, watching television, watching the, watching the launch. And then it blew up. And I just have this vague recollection of all of the teachers starting to cry and then trying to decide what to do with all of us kids as we just looked around at each other and the teachers in dismay and worry and concern, wondering what was going on because we weren't entirely sure. They're all dead. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a thing. And I don't have a, I don't have a crystal clear recollection of it. It's, it's all a little vague because I was still pretty young, but yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. And, but I remember also feeling this sense of wonder that like we're sending things off of our planet into space, like outside our planet's atmosphere. It was just, it was a wondrous thing. And all of the news surrounding the James Webb telescope lately have made me feel that same sense of wonder and discovery and just awe and amazement that is just, I, I it's hard to even describe other than just really fucking exciting, man. It just, it yeah. gets me charged up and gives and me hope for the future. I don't think it gets enough news. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Instead we're, we're focused on people bickering in government all over the place. When, we're looking at the next frontier of discovery for the human species. It's just, it's so fucking cool. Tell me a little bit about the James Webb telescope, Mr. Duffy. Oh, the James Webb. Well, I had a, I had a research with LaGrange point was, and that was pretty cool. But the James Webb telescope took one month to get 1 million miles from earth. Now you can't travel that far in that time frame. <laughs> But so we had the, uh, uh, the Hubble telescope. Mm -hmm. And if we all remember the Hubble telescope had one issue. Yes. They were off like a fucking micron in shaving the glass lens for focusing the telescope. And we didn't discover that until we got it into outer space. And we tried to take a picture of a celestial body and went, Oh shit, it's fuzzy. Oh, we done fucked up. And now this thing is in space. What are we going to do to try to fix it? So, well, luckily with that one, it was close enough for us to be able to spend another few million dollars to go up there and change it. Yeah, we a sent a few years later. We sent a team of astronauts out again into space to work on a telescope in space to fix in this orbit. thing that is in space <laughs> taking pictures. That is just the coolest fucking thing. Like we as humans traveled off the face of this planet into space to fix a thing that is doing science. It was just so fucking yeah. cool. So now this one is sitting at a Lagrange point, which is named after the scientists who discovered the points between two orbital bodies in which you can hold an object basically still mm -hmm. because the gravity of those two objects are pulling on it equally to hold it in a synchronistic orbit. Yeah. So it doesn't want to fall towards either of them. It's kind of happy right in that little spot where the gravity's pull is negligible from both planets. Mm -hmm. Which means we can't get to this one with a space shuttle. So it had to work perfectly. Yeah, that's just it, is that we sent this out there knowing that if something goes wrong, there's no way for us to repair yeah. it. And no, this, no, we're not getting up there to fix it. So, and this has been in development, like in it, the initial concept for it and development began back in the eighties. We're talking we like, we kind of fucked up on the first one. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this was, you know, this was after Hubble when, when we're talking about its successor and everything. I mean, this thing is 40 plus years in the planning, 20 plus years, just in development and, and actually getting and it out there. And it's international. Yeah. This isn't just an effort by the U.S. This is an international effort, which kind of brings 
a global effort to explore space and science more deeply. But what do you do if you make something that you know it can't, uh, you can't fix it? Yeah, you've, you've spent, you've spent, you know, 20 plus years in development, 40 plus years in conceptualization and more than a decade in development and launching and then a month to get it into its final position. And all the while knowing that at any little step along this path where you've spent $10 billion and decades of development and research that it could all go wrong and it will all have been for naught. Which is why you don't put a lens in this one. Well, there's a lens, but not the same kind of lens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this has seen photos of it. Mm-hmm. But to understand that each of those gold octagon panels all move independently of each other as a way to focus the light that is coming from the beginning of time into a single spot in the middle of that, which then reflects back down into it. And that's where they had the genius part of being like, well, if we have two lenses, we can adjust those two to change the focus motherfuckers (laughs) instead of having one to focus a spot. So they basically took what we learned. We fucked up on with the first one and made this a billion times better. And I, a billion times might not be overreaching because literally this might be able to see back to the origins of the fucking cosmos. Yeah. To it's the beginning just, of what we know as time. Yeah. It's just, it's wild to me that they're going to be able to look back in our past. They're going to be able to look back 13 billion years, years. to the, to, to the very instant that the universe was burst out of the big bang into cosmic expansion. And they'll be able to look back in time that fucking far because of this telescope that humans created here on earth and sent out into space a million miles away and are controlling it at a million miles away to gather this information for us. And it's going to change everything, everything. Not only is it a million miles away, not only has it taken since the 1980s and 20 years of actual physical building and science in working through this, it has worked flawlessly so far. It has worked beyond flawlessly. It has worked to the point where it's like, oh shit, this is going to work longer than we expected because our launch was better than expected. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have even more time to look into outer space. And this is essentially orbiting the sun, which means unlike the Hubble telescope, which orbits the earth, it has points where it's blocked. So it can only look at certain areas for so long before it gets blocked. So it can only, it can only take the light in to absorb information for a certain amount of time before it gets blocked by the sun or the moon. Mm -hmm. This is outside the earth, outside the moon between that in the sun and it can point in one direction almost fucking infinitely uh, not infinitely because we got to go around the sun but the <laughs> amount of time it will have to look at a spot in space to gather the, the the light to gather the information to reflect in there to gather knowledge is way superior to what we could ever do before oh yeah well i'm looking at an article here uh from npr that says that controllers expect expect to spend the next three months adjusting the infrared telescope's mirror segments and testing out its instruments. I read on another article or in another article that they have, I want to say it's four different adjustments for each mirror that it can move a nanometer to try to adjust the focus on this. It's just, it's, it's fucking amazing to me that this is a thing that humans have accomplished. And really when we look at a timescale, so in between segments, you and I, Ryan, we're looking at the list of popes that have existed. Oh, yeah. There's been 200, <laughs> fuck, what was it? 200, like 260 something popes over, over millennia and centuries. Over. And in the span of 40 years, 
from initial idea in someone's brain to then 20 years later starting development on it and then launch and sending it out to out into space a million fucking miles away from earth to gather information humans have done this in 40 fucking years when we look at religion and yeah. all of its fucking problems that for millennia has caused nothing but grief and harm and left bodies and destruction in its wake. And in 40 years we've done this and it's going to change everything. I remember when I was a kid watching, watching this, the, the shuttle take off and, and launch people into space and looking at all of the wondrous achievements and developments that have come because of the space program. And this is just, when I was reading articles about this earlier this week, like I got choked up thinking about how impressive and awesome this is it was it was a feeling it like it felt like a religious revival within me because it was just so fucking amazing like i told you like i i set an alarm just to watch the james webb telescope launch and it was at like 5 a.m uh because it didn't launch it's a it, it was uh it was south america that it launched from uh guyana yeah and i was like I, I watch a lot of, I, I, I like to watch launches. I like to watch the success of space exploration, but I was literally just watching this kind of by myself in my bedroom at work that morning, kind of in awe of it's finally on its way. Mm-hmm. Like I've been hearing about this like for, for it, a couple decades now. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of the awesome things, all of the fantastic pictures and images that we've gotten from Hubble and the wondrous discoveries that we've made from that, James Webb is going to blow those away. Oh, yeah. This, so this, this article says that uh, JSW or JWST, as the telescope is called, is more sophisticated than the iconic Hubble Space Telescope and will be capturing pictures of the very first stars in the universe. Scientists say it will also study the atmospheres of planets orbiting stars outside our own solar system to see if they might be habitable or even inhabited. Which is a first. The The giant telescope can do this in part because it looks at longer wavelengths of light than Hubble could. Quote, the very first stars and galaxies to form are hurtling away from Earth so fast that the light is shifted from visible wavelengths into the infrared. So the Hubble telescope couldn't even see that light, but JWST can, NPR's Joe Palka explained. The revolutionary revolutionary telescope will remain in a special orbit around a point in space known as Lagrange Point 2 or L2, a point that will help keep its position stable, blah, 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 uh, says that being in that spot protects it from big swings in temperature and allows the giant sun shield to block heat coming from the sun. The telescope must maintain constant super cold conditions, minus 370 degrees Fahrenheit for the instruments to function properly. That's just amazing. And in its final form, the telescope is about three stories tall with a mirror that's 21 feet across. Size of a tennis court. Yeah. Much too big to fly into space fully assembled. And so instead they had to pack it all down into this little cube and unfurl it and, and have it expand. And, and it's just, it's an amazing, amazing accomplishment that I'm just fucking ecstatic about. I mean, that's the thing I love about this is here's a problem. Like we've never launched anything into space. that had to unfold itself. How the fuck do we do it? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, uh, it's just... And once it starts doing the process, we don't have contact. We can't go up there and repair a sun shield. We can't go up there and fix a panel. It yeah. has to work. Well, and the final the final thruster adjustments that they had to put on the telescope to, to move it into its final position in L2, uh, they said that that went so well that they had to expend so much less fuel than they initially anticipated that it has extended the life of the telescope by 10 fucking years. Yeah. Just, just that one thing has extended the life of the telescope an additional decade. That's amazing. It's just, it's such a huge accomplishment. It could be an operation for up to 20 fucking years. Yeah. And the things that we will discover and learn from this are, Amazing in, in the 20 years it took to develop this. And in the next 
20 to 30 years that this will be in operation, humanity is going to have the most profound, incredible discoveries about the universe and our place in it that it's a really exciting time to be alive. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really looking say, forward to it. Even think about the Voyager, Voyager one and two and what, what they've shown. I mean, fucking Voyager flew through the rings of Saturn mm-hmm. and took photos. We have taken photos of every planet, the same planets that a certain fellow postulated were out there. Yeah. This, was killed. I'm looking at another article from the New York times that says for the next three months, engineers will watch as algorithms help fine tune the position of the web's mirror segments, correcting any misalignments as accurately as one ten thousandths of a hair width to allow the 18 hexagonal pieces in its array to function as a single mirror. That's just, yeah. Insane. That's mind boggling. And it's a million miles away from this planet. A million miles. That's so fucking cool, man. Awesome. Don't forget. We have remote control cars on Mars too. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, it's just, holy shit. It's, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm falling in love with the space program all over again. It, it makes me feel like I'm a six year old kid sitting in, elementary school watching the space shuttle take off. Like it's just the, the sense of wonder is, is just amazing. I, I love it. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's the best news I've had in so long. I hope everybody else is, ex, is excited about this yeah. as I am because the next, by the end of this year, holy shit, the things that we're going to learn. I can't wait until we're able to see the first images yeah. to get the first data back from it, to be able to be like, I just want to look at it. Like I, I might look at it and not even know what I'm looking at, but being like in awe of that, what we're seeing could have that light we're seeing coming into that telescope could have been dead since before our earth was formed. Oh yeah. The, the, another article that I read about this earlier this week said that the discoveries that we will learn by the end of this year, this current year, 2022 will be more substantial. We will learn more about the cosmos and our place in it within the next year than we have for the last century, just because of this telescope. It's fucking amazing. I'm so excited. And to be honest, we've only been learning about our extended cosmos since the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking more than a century of, of development and, and understanding and knowledge that we'll that gather more than that within the span of less than a year. It's just incredible. It's, it's going to take away the rest of the gaps of God. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited, but it's, it's awesome. I'm just, I just, I, yeah. I, I, there are not words enough to describe how excited I am about this. And Sarah knows how excited I get about it. Cause she's like, Oh, more science nonsense. <laughs> oh, well, this has been fun, but we have run out of time for this episode. Uh, I want to make sure that we thank all of our Patreon supporters. And before we go, before we go, <laughs> before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because they help keep the show going. In fact, we are creating an LLC for the show, working yes. working with Mr. Andrew. Our, our fantastic Mr. Attorney man and uh, Morgan Stringer is actually the one who will be handling this for us. So thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Taylor for, uh, you know, getting us, getting us more on the path to doing this for, for making us more legit. Yeah. Kickstarting the effort to do this because I will just be been too so legit to quit soon. Yeah. It'll be awesome. And our Patreon supporters are, a big part of what is allowing this to happen because of course, Andrew and Morgan are attorneys and, and their work is not they cheap cost money. <laughs> so we appreciate you helping us to do this. This is awesome. I'm very excited about it. Uh, before we go though, I do want to make sure we thank the Patreon supporters. That would be two skeptical chaps, a noble spirit and biggins, the smallest man, a perfectly cromulent statement. That was perfect. Ryan. Good job. I, I know. I know. Alan Firth. All hail Peanut Buttra. Doug Willoughby. Hunter Grin. Whose birthday it was this week. Happy birthday, yes. Hunter. 
I was going to say that too, but I didn't know if we should. <laughs> Happy birthday. John McCullough. Ollie Olson. Sinead Duffy. Steve Kuno. Stephen Andrus. Theodore Sellen. Tiffany Hudson. Travis Lindbergh. Vanessa. When you mention puppies, you talk about puppies, Dan? <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to end with a question mark, but that's good enough. <laughs> when you I think it's puppies. You talk about puppies, Dan. Yeah, I think that's I think that's more the vibe that, okay. was, that was supposed to be conveyed with that. Uh, it, I mainly <laughs> gave it the questioning vibe because I didn't read through all of them before <laughs> today. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> yep. Yep. One of our patrons updated uh, the name to that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's more, that's more me questioning it. <laughs> uh, Corey Ebert. Don't be a Richard. Freethinker215. Good news, everyone. Jeff Peterson. Jeremy Goodson. Jonathan. Marvin Dracone. I always, I always feel like I'm fucking that one up. I know. Hey, you should send us a pronunciation guide to you, to your name, or we'll just... We'll, Tell we'll, us that we're getting it right. We'll struggle through, and it will be something funny that you can record every week, or, or know that it's going to be different every week, possibly. Uh, Matthew Sanders. Megan Mitchell. Not a fucking gymnast. <laughs> Updog programmer. I still love that. Utah Outcast. Wesley Aaron. And a new Patreon patron, Zeus9SO. Thank you very I much. I was glad you got that one because I was like, is it, is it Zeus9SO or is it zeus 9 so 9 so yeah i'm not sure i'll i have i should have maybe done some some googling to find out if that's a thing i should know about because i don't know what that uh, is yeah zeus is our ruler anyways <laughs> janet uter purple dragon ryan mayfield sarah segovia savita kuna socialized healthcare saved my life tim jacobson trisha weir James and most is lack and groundskeeper Willie want you to please support the national Alliance on mental illness. Thank you so much, everybody. We really, really appreciate your patronage. It helps the show more than, you know, for sure. Yes. If you dear listener would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so easily by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode. And then you get fun things like bonus episodes, extended episodes, extended outtakes, uh, clips from the cutting room floor where we talk about bloody uh, pee and bad ankles. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, and if you are averse to using uh, the, the, the Patreon, you can also send us, as Heath would say, gifts of money by going and sending us money through PayPal. And you can send that to us at our email address of godlessrevolution at gmail.com. That's all I've got. I need to get back to work oh, for, for a couple hours uh, before, ready for work. before dinner. Yeah. And yeah, I need to let you go to get ready for work and to hang out with Sarah before you're gone for five days. Going to work. Yeah. yeah. Fuck five days. Well, thanks, man. Thank you all. Thank you, Ryan. I am out. Bye, you lovely people. We are all going to like the Jesus very much from now on.